It might be nighttime where you are, but whenever your next one is, I hope you have a good one. As the frost kisses the ground and Dasher and Dancer prance through the night sky, we've been busy, much like Santa's little helpers, putting together a special... Just fucking tell them. I took a day off work for this. All right, fair enough. It's a Christmas carol, one you'll know. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our fine show. A story of a man who's lost his way, but sees the light by Christmas Day. Christmas Carol by Matthew Oxley. Lazy bloody swines. Not nearly enough profit. Busy with their useless friends and families, no doubt. Dorsals that are crumpets. Post production. Right, you lot. Another profitable year, but we could be earning more. Much more. My father didn't set up this company to just be any old lampshade outfit. For the last 60 years, we've dominated the industry. Now, all the big retailers like John Lewis, House of Fraser, B&M Bargains, are teaming up with these new brands I've never heard of. Debenhams have an exclusive agreement with Shade Runner. Dunelm have partnered with Shade in Places. Next to collaborating with Shaders of the Lost Ark. And the Wayfair website is chocker with the real slim shady products. Excuse me, sir. My name is Edward Crumble. I'm a machinist here. Have been for 20 years. Sir, we work flat out. I mean, look at us. It's 6pm on Christmas Eve. Nobody wants this place to go under. Tell us how we can help. Flat out? You're a lazy set of urchins. Employee 43. I saw you using the toilet last week. And employee 71? Only yesterday you paused momentarily for a sip of water. And how can I not mention you, employee 89? Your wife passed last month and you had the nerve to weep on shift. Cuts. There must be cuts. And since you're so willing, we'll start with you, Edward Crumble. But Gaffer, it's Christmas. How will I afford the payments on my kids' presents? He's been asking for that cup and ball all year. Guess I could just get him the cup this year. Edward, this morning when I couldn't reach the massive whitehead on my back, did I call you and ask for help? No, sir. Correct, Edward. That's because I'm self-sufficient and independent. Sort your own fucking mess. Now, return to your stations and get on with it. I'll be in my office and don't expect to be disturbed. Let's see here. Next month's orders. Looking pretty bleak. Ah! What the fuck's going on? I am the ghost of Christmas past. I know. It's not dry ice and roller skates. I really am hovering. What do you want with me? Look, if you've ordered one of our lead-lined ceiling shades in 1861, I partially paid every crush victim in full. No, Jack. I'm here to educate you. For there was a time when your heart was open, your smile warm, and your dandruff under control. It's like a fucking snow globe in here. Hang on. Are you after a job? You've come here, no tie, no CV. As far as I can tell, those milky arms have never seen an honest day's work. I'm not after a job, old boy. Finish your glass of Nesquik, Jackie, and we'll be on our way. On our way? What are you on about? Hey, get away, you creepy twat! Stop floating towards me! What are you even made of? Parsley sauce? Tin coconut milk? Get off me! Ah! What's happening? 
We're winding back the clock, old boy. Christ, that woman's got snakes in her hair. Don't meet her gaze. Shit, I've gone back too far again. I've seen you before. You appear from time to time. Are you even Greek or what? Sorry, Medusa. Lovely cave, by the way. Hold on, Jackie boy. Is this... Am I a... Yes, Jack. We're in 1822. You're seven years old. This is when you became the monster you are today, a cross between Katie Hopkins and the Ryanair boss. I remember this. My dad is teaching me and my brother how to play the violin. In a moment, they laugh at my attempt to play Fairy Jacker. I became angry at that. Distant and alone. Me against the world. Quite. But you have never seen this moment from afar as we are now. Let me offer you a different perspective. Take notice. Whilst you leave to use the toilet, what is your brother doing? He's tampering with my violin. And Papa? Why is Papa chuckling along? A horrible bastard. Oh, Papa. <laughs> I've replaced Jack Strings with shoelaces. Ha <laughs> ha! At it, boy. I've never liked your brother much. He can't run fast and he's got a creepy look about him. Hopefully the cholera will have got him by winter. You see, how are you meant to win? Your past has shaped you. You must forgive yourself and learn to love once more. It's time to leave now, Jack. I'm home. How is this happening? What is that noise? Is that a tap? Shit, is someone running a bath? No! Ah! Close the door, you pervert. Who the fuck are you? Not another ghost. Wait, actually, you're the same ghost as before, just a bit tubbier. I am the ghost of Christmas present. And yes, I sometimes moonlight as the ghost of Christmas past. The overtime is double pay, and besides, the other ghosts are getting together to binge watch Crazy Rich Asians on Netflix. Just get out of my tub. Why is it full of Ferrero Rocher wrappers? Don't you blow that bubble bath at me. It's Christmas Eve, darling. Let's go for a drink. What is that thing? So much metal. Is it a massive clothes horse? It's the Eiffel Tower, you brute. Ugh, I've messed up again. Wrong moment in present time, you see. Hold on, here we go again. Last orders, get them in. Four pints of fuck stout, please, Mary. No problem, Edward. You and the fellas from the factory having a good night? Will that miserable old gaffer of yours be joining you? Doubt it, Mary. He was asleep at his desk when we left. Edward, hurry up. Frederick's about to kick us off with a song. It's the guys from the factory. I need to get these guys on a diet. No wonder productivity's through the floor. I mean, look at Jeff. His gut looks like a wheel of cheese. Listen, Jack. One of them is about to sing. Listen carefully to his words. A lamp needs a shade like a razor needs its handle No more than a wick needs its candle Our factory we love, a place we call home She needs us so dearly like Caesar to roam Our labour, our passion, but our gaffer is a brick He sits in his ivory tower, sipping nest quick Oh, often he reminds us of our flaws We really hope he's forgotten by Santa Claus We long for you still to be a jolly mate Man of the people like Alexander the Great Sometimes we tell, we hear you weep and cry. You really are annoying like a massive horsefly. They're so mean. But don't you see? They want to be your friend. He said I'm annoying like an horsefly. 
Perhaps that's something you can fix, though. You know, lose a few pounds. Get some cream for that impetigo. Rid yourself of that hunch. Be a bit handsomer. Smile a bit. Don't clench your fists so much. Stop spitting near folk. Don't walk off when they're talking to you. I guess I could sort my attitude a little. Ease up on the fellas. Learning already. What a smart chap. Anyway, we should be getting off soon. Some of the punters are about to become increasingly aware of my ghostly presence. Don't want to be rumbled, you see. Really? How do they know we're here? Oh, whilst that other fellow was singing, lovely voice, I took a dump in that gentleman's coat pocket and he's about to leave. I also poured a bit of water from the mop bucket into that lady's half a lager and she's looking a bit peaky. How do we get back? Is it magic? Usually yes, but it plays havoc with my guts. Hence the dump in the gentleman's coat pocket. Mind if we walk? We are already in the present after all, won't lose any time. Of course not. I only live five minutes away. Perhaps I could share a story along the way? Oh, I'd rather you didn't. You've got a really whiny voice and your breath stinks. Oh, okay. I understand. I suppose I am trying to grow you, improve your spirit and whatnot. Crack on, custard belly. Right. Every year they wheel out this story and I bite my tongue every time. But now that they've started putting little statues on roundabouts, I've had enough. It's time to set the record straight. My name's Bernard Crablegs and this is what really happened at the Nativity. Okay, so firstly, they asked to be put in the stables. Seriously, think about it. What hotel is ever sold out on Christmas Eve? No one questions that bit. Then, imagine if Premier Inn is fully booked, so they start sticking pregnant guests in the car park overnight, in the middle of winter. There'll be riots. Lenny Henry would be dragged through the streets. The whole thing was a PR exercise. Don't even get me started on the whole immaculate conception stuff. Anyway, they rock up at my stable with a full entourage. There's the two of them, their donkey Kenneth, three wise men, three shepherds, a whole bunch of angels, all of which turned up on camels. Normally not a problem, because guess what? We've got a lovely stable, but where are we? So they're in there with us. Also, these scenes don't paint themselves, so there's about 15 different painters, sculptors, poets and storytellers of all kinds, not to mention the usual occupants, my sheep, oxen, couple of chickens. The long and the short of it is, it's packed out and stinking to high heaven. Next thing we know, Mary starts getting contractions, telling us the sweet baby Jesus is on his way, but she can't be popping out our Lord and Saviour with all this ox shit everywhere. I say, what did she expect? It comes with the territory. What she's after is a maternity ward. She said if I spent as much time shoveling as I do moaning, this place would be shit free by now. I said, with this many beasts in one room, you're going to be ankle deep no matter what you do. But she got distracted with something else, so I just kept brushing the steaming piles to the edge, hoping that when it all kicked off, she wouldn't notice the hot turds slowly filling the room. Then it all kicked off. Mary's making a racket, fair enough, but the animals are getting pissed off. I've got sheep scratching at the door, oxes with hoofs in their ears, a couple of chickens have managed to bury themselves in the muck pit. Finally, the baby pops out, 
and they want to put him in one of my mangers. I said, you're not doing that, sunshine. My sheep will never eat out of that again after seeing the baby juice slopped into it. Then they chuck him in there anyway because apparently I'm invisible. All the artists, sculptures and artisans are crowding around trying to get the best angle. Meanwhile, I'm trying to stop a two-ton cow from eating the lamb of God's afterbirth. So, I'm sweating cobs after wrestling a cow onto her back after getting a taste for a holy placenta. I've had to just release the sheep and promise them I'll get them another manger when this is done. I've managed to get the chickens out of the muck pit, but they're heading back that way now the baby's crying. The whole place is a bimfire of animal shit and people everywhere. When all of a sudden, they just leave. Just walk out into the night like smoke from a burnt blancmange. Without a thank you or a Merry Christmas, just leaving their mess and juices behind. Unbelievable. So there you have it. Next time you see a little lit up scene on a roundabout, remember the true story of what happened that night. I'm Bernard Crablegs, and that's the truth of the nativity. Here we are, back at last. Nice story, mind. What a strange night. I suppose I should offer you a cuppa. Perhaps a Diora light for your dodgy guts? Where have you gone? Creepy buggers disappeared again. I need a drink. Ah, that's the ticket. Hopefully that's the last of all these bloody ghouls. Like being in fucking toilet at Hogwarts at the moment. Let's get that fire going. Oh, lovely stuff. Oh, let's get another log on. I'm freezing in here. Hang on. That face in the fire. The flames are bloody smirking. Evening, chap. You look appalling. Had a busy night, have you? It's you again. Same ghost. Same ghost, but with fire on top of your head. Perhaps so, Jackie boy. I'm filling in for a spooky friend who's gone wreck diving in Egypt with his wife. What's wreck diving? Never mind, silly boy. See, you've poured yourself a Nesquik on the rocks. Be a dear and pour me one. It's gone straight through you. What a waste of milky powder. Black gold, that stuff. Hopefully you're starting to get the picture by now, Jackie baby. Once upon a time, you are a sweet boy eager to please his father. Now a tyrant-like mean boss. But the boys at the factory hold on to a shred of hope, you see. In you somewhere is a decent man. Now, travelling into the future isn't as straightforward as the past and present, you see. Yeah, you really nailed those two. Nice, Jackie boy. We're trying to turn you into a kind man, remember? Travelling into the future is a filthy business. Where's your toilet? Outside, why? We, well, we must splash toilet water on our faces to travel into the future, you see. Not a chance. It's part of the code. Now come on, I'll have you back before you can say strawberry Nesquik. Fine, but I want reimbursement if my top hat gets splashed. Christ, what do you eat? It smells like a prison gym in here. Anyway, get splashing. Oh, it's horrible. It's in my chops and my tash. Has it gone on my hat? Let's just say you won't be doffing it to a lady anytime soon. Nothing's happening. Why aren't we time travelling? <laughs> you silly boy. It's just a joke, Jackie boy. You filthy bastard. Anyway, enough of that. Wipe your face, take my hand. This journey will be longer, Jackie. Perhaps I can treat you to a story on the way. Well, 
Sounds all right. Have I got all the shit out of my eyebrows? Close enough. Let's get a wriggle on. Not long before Christmas morning now. For most Santas, life is sweet. Training January to October is easy going. Staff training in November is full of energy and anticipation. And then onto the big show in December, which is demanding, but joyous in equal measures. But the road to becoming Santa isn't straightforward. In fact, the journey is littered with rivalry, forced weight gain, lower back pain, negotiating a fair price for lease vans, addressing punctuality concerns amongst elves, and squinting through half-moon glasses. The common view of Santa amongst the public is romantic, but very inaccurate. You see, most folks like to believe in a single Santa. It makes for a better narrative, doesn't it? A single, mysterious bloke that never dies and turns up every year with a bag of PS5s and 43 litres of Paco Rabanne. People are desperate to believe that the singular Coca-Cola lorry is driven by a lone Saint Nick. But the ugly truth is that those hulking 18-wheel articulated beasts are driven by exactly 48 men and women that call themselves Santa for one year only. You see, each UK county has its own Santa, and each Santa is responsible for delivery of the prezzies that year. When the deed is done and all the presents are delivered, each Mr or Mrs Claus is invited to the coveted Santa Claus Ball, a moment for the Santas of that year to reminisce and recognise their hard work. Whilst those at home sleep tight and dream of their gifts under the trees, almost 50 Santas and their plus ones enjoy a free bar at the Travel Lodge in Birmingham. Identified by a very secret committee, prospective Santas are vetted and then selected in January each year. There are three essential pieces of criteria that have been unchanged for over 700 years. One, a reddened nose and cheeks without a history of alcoholism. Two, to ensure he or she can manage larger gifts, prospective Santas must have a history of carrying and fitting a dishwasher or washing machine single-handedly. Three, and perhaps most crucially, the prospective Santa must be known to their local community and friends as a bullshitter and a liar. This is so that nobody in the pub believes them when they inevitably brag about their membership to the top-secret Union of Santas. It's 2022, and this year, in South Yorkshire, Larry Toffey had been selected for the job. Larry was selected for his ability to parallel park a Mercedes Sprinter van in a Warner, whatever the weather. As well as being a consistent Argos delivery driver, he also had a very forgettable face and lacked presence in every way imaginable. At school, he wasn't picked last for team games in the playground. He just wasn't picked at all, as if he wasn't there. If he crossed the road when the green man appeared, the traffic carried on anyway. If Larry was having a meal with friends or family, he would have to ask someone else to order his food because the waiter would simply miss him. You're probably wondering why this is important. Well, if a Santa is caught delivering presents in the night, that Santa needs to be able to camouflage and blend into the background with ease. And this was something that Larry had been practicing his whole life. When the letter arrived, Larry was over the moon. Finally had a purpose, after a lifetime of feeling alone and misunderstood. Fast forward to December, and Larry couldn't have been more prepared. His red suit with custom pockets and zip vents around the armpits had been delivered. He had mastered his ability to pick any lock and calm any noisy dog. Thanks to a fantastic Enterprise rental offer, he had also secured his sleigh for the year. A Vauxhall Movano Electric, silent for maximum secrecy, an envious payload of 1,545 kilograms, great fuel economy at 34 miles per gallon, a DAB digital radio, and a well-oiled slidey door. 
The training camp January through to November had been gruelling. He'd put on three stones to form a wonderful Santa gut and could carry awkward presents with ease. Larry had learnt to disarm burglar alarms and could disable security lights with an alarming ease. At Santa school, the camaraderie was fantastic. The only downside was that everyone had to tolerate an incredibly arrogant prat called John Force, who had been selected as the Santa for Essex that year. Just like the kids at school, he mocked Larry amongst others and passed it off as banter. Larry wasn't surprised to find that he was an estate agent and a former car phone warehouse salesman. Larry had studied his route carefully, wary of the potential crossover point. These are streets or homes that sit on the boundary of his route and the route of another Santa, thus allowing for a potential double present drop, or more worryingly, an inappropriate present drop. In Bilbao, Spain, in 1974, Enrico Fordina delivered a set of Harley Davidson leathers to a vegan, all because of not being able to read his map properly. By half past two, the delivery couldn't have been going any better. Sticking to his pre-planned route, he pulled into a village that would be his final call. No more than 23 deliveries. Larry pulled the handbrake and began working the locks. The shoes shoes strewn across the hallway almost caught him out on one occasion, and a drunken dad chugging a bottle of Rennie's in the kitchen almost cost him the night on another. Just one more home to deliver to. Larry checked his map, right on the boundary of his territory, but he thought he was alright. It was at this point that Larry regretted using such a chunky felt-tip pen to mark his map. It was difficult to read. Unusual, thought Larry. The door didn't need picking, and it was already open and slightly ajar. Manoeuvring the wrapped shark hoover through the doorway was a struggle. In order to see his feet, he was forced to hold a present up high in front of his face, occasionally craning his neck left and right to find the living room. And then a voice. And just who the fuck are you? Larry's heart pounded. He'd been caught. Not by an impatient child or a dad sneaking into the kitchen for a late night snack. Larry placed the hoover by the tree and swiveled, now face to face with another Santa. Her eyes big, beautiful, but full of panic like his. Shit, I'm in the wrong house. I'm so sorry, Larry, this is your patch. She offered an apologetic smile and fled by performing three extremely silent cartwheels through the living room and out of the front door. Larry's heart was still pounding, but this time not for fear of being caught, but for love. She was the most beautiful thing he had ever seen. More importantly for Larry, she was the first woman, and possibly person, that had ever noticed him, never mind say his name. When the final delivery was complete, Larry gave his electric van a rapid charge before hurtling down the M1 South. The Santa Ball had a newfound purpose. They were meant to be, and Larry knew that the moment his gaze met hers. Ignoring the five mile per hour sign, Larry entered the car park and banged the van in the disabled spot nearest the entrance. In a way he was disabled, he was blinded by love and the possibilities of what might follow. Larry raced through the travel lodge reception and into the function suite, slapping his name tag onto his chest haphazardly. Everyone looked the fucking same. What a nightmare. Why didn't he ask a name? Pushing past the offer of canopies and welcome drinks, he scanned the room. And then something he recognised at the punch bowl. A ponytail poking out of a Santa hat. She had her back to him, but he recognised her frame. She seemed familiar. Larry headed over, ready to introduce himself to his future wife. Hi, it's you. She turned to face Larry. And it absolutely was. Those unmistakable eyes glaring back at him. I saw you a few hours ago in that house. My name is Larry. She smiled. Larry couldn't believe it. He might have endured a lifetime of being ignored, but it was all worth it now. I'm so sorry, I must have misread my map. 
My name is Gloria. It's nice to meet you, Larry. Larry grinned and Gloria filled the second cup with punch. Oh, thanks, Gloria. I was just going to pour one of those for myself. And with that, Larry's evening tumbled. The drink wasn't for him. Oh, no, sorry. Well, you remember at Santa School? I met somebody there, you see, Larry. I'm not sure if you remember him. Larry remembered him all right. At that moment, the mountain of shit strode towards Gloria, taking a cup from her with one hand and draping his arm over her shoulder with the other. John fucking Force, the smarmy estate agent. Well, thanks for that. They did make the journey much quicker. Where are we? Whoa! Spaceships everywhere. A newspaper stand. It says we're in 2052. Hang on. What's the headline? Prime Minister Katie Price makes suede pink tracksuits mandatory in House of Commons. Fuck. I've done it again. We've gone too far into the future. Right, let's try that again. Wait, that's my factory. Lampats Limited. It is, yes. Why are we outside? Why is it so quiet? Is it a Sunday? No, Jack. It's December 24th, 1890. Shall we take one inside? Of course. Perhaps we have new futuristic machines that are really quiet. This is it, Jack. The factory closed a month ago. If you look over there, there's a kit of foxes living in one of your machines. Is that graffiti over there? What does it say? It says, Jack Barton is a bad man with poor taste in art, fashion, home decor, and he doesn't even mix Nesquik to the correct powder-to-milk ratio. That's incredibly detailed, isn't it? Probably a thug. Probably. Uh, there is a light up there. Shall we go? My office? Wait. There's someone moving. I can see shadows through the shutters. Wait. That's me, on my desk. There's no pulse. Shall we begin compressions, Doctor? Don't bother. He wasn't a popular chap anyhow. I saw him put a dirty handkerchief in a charity tin last week. Don't give up on me. Come on, do something. It's pointless, Jackie boy. They can't hear you. Come on, I have more to show you. Take my hand. Is it my funeral? Correct. Where is everyone? There's... There's only three people. Edward Crumble, my old accountant, and a stranger. Who's that? Ah, that is Thomas Butcher, or employee 89, as you referred to him. What's in that bag? He's, he's resting on my coffin. He's done a shit in that bag, Jack. Don't you remember? His wife passed, and you wouldn't allow him to attend the funeral. This isn't what I want. I want to be a better man than this. At it, boy. There you go. Let's get you back. You won't like what comes next anyway. What happens? Three men lowering a coffin in the pouring rain. Never gonna work. Doesn't help that the entire coffin is made of cardboard. You're kidding. The whole thing bursts open and, well... Well what? Well, I just don't know why the funeral director didn't dress you. Or why I put a bunny ear hairband on you. Anyway, we're off. I'm back. Yes. I'm alive. So dingy in here. Let's get those curtains open. You, there, boy. Happy Christmas. And the same to you, sir. Glad to see you smiling, Mr. Jack. And you there, old lady. Have a merry day full of laughter. Fuck right off. I'm not a lady. My name's David. Sorry, David, my mistake. I say, David, 
Don't you work in my factory? Where are you going? The pub. The lads from the factory are getting together for a pint before dinner. Speak no more. Those pints are on me. Good day, Mary. 23 pints of scab juice ale. Glad to see you've come to your senses, Mr Jack. I see very clear now, Mary. Listen up, fellas. Merry Christmas. I hereby declare that each and every one of you will receive equal shares of Lampat's Limited. Hooray! Three cheers for Mr Jack. Hip-hip! Hooray! hip hip Hooray! Two Stories is written and produced by Matthew Oxley and Jack Barton, performed this week by Matt as the ghost of Christmas past, present and future, Jack as himself, Dom Kavanagh as Frederick, Lorna Page as the landlady, Tom Page as David, Carl Mitchell as Jack's dad, Carlotta Morelli as Edward Crumble, Camilla Morelli as Medusa, Jude Shaw as Dr. One, Michelle Green as Dr. Two, and Will Green as employee number one. Thanks for listening, Merry Christmas and have a Happy New Year.